being able to hone in on and entertain your different moods, you know, am I feeling a little submissive today? Do I feel like I'd like to be objectified or do I want, you know, something that's very sensual and intimate and romantic and just connected or, you know, do I want like something rough and disconnected and just passionate and all of these things? I mean, the beauty of it is that it should be your choice. Yes. Whatever you're feeling that day, you should be able to go for it, own it and feel safe to express that to your partner and just do it. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is MILF Podcast, the show where we talk about motherhood, entrepreneurship, sexuality, and everything in between. I'm Jennifer Tracy, your host. Here we are diving towards the second half of December. This episode is coming out on December 12th. So happy 12 days of Christmas if you celebrate that this way. I know there's many different ways it comes about. I'm so excited to introduce today's guest, but before I do that, I wanted to make a couple of quick uh, in-house announcements. Um, So you may have noticed I've been collaborating with some amazing companies, and I've been calling them sponsors, but just for full transparency, there's no money being exchanged (laughs) between me and these companies. This is really just me reaching out to companies that are Many of them, most of them are uh, founded and run by women, some of whom are mothers, um, and they're just really doing amazing things with their work. And the mission of these companies is really beautiful, and so I wanted to share that with you. And they've been generous enough to provide you guys with an exclusive discount code, so I think that's pretty cool too. But I'm just really about, obviously, supporting women and supporting female run businesses. So one of today's companies that I'm collaborating with is called The Growing Candle. I've mentioned them on here before. I love this company. I found them by chance on my Instagram and I ordered a candle. And what it is, is it's beautiful, all natural candle that smells incredible. I got the eucalyptus mint. And once you burn it down, it comes with the wrapper that has seeds in the wrapper. So you put the wrapper in the beautiful candle container and you water it and it grows wildflowers. So you, now you have wildflowers in this pot, which I am a black thumb, so I'm not good at that. So we'll see if I can keep mine alive. But for us exclusively, thank you, Growing Candle. We have a discount code of MILF10. And for them, you're going to go to thegrowingcandle.com um, and enter the discount code MILF10. So those are some fun things you can get. It is Christmas season. You might want to use that or you might want to do something for yourself. So keep that in your back pocket. And I always announce the charity or organization that I'm highlighting for the month. And this month I've chosen Hope Scarves. Hope Scarves is an organization that was started by Laura McGregor. Laura came to me through the World Wide Web. She was a fan of the show and she emailed me and she said, hey, I have a story that I want to tell and I want to share with your listeners, can I come on the show? Can I partner with you? And I watched this video about her. She is a breast cancer survivor. And then um, again, was recently, she went into remission and then recently again, was diagnosed with cancer. And this time it is terminal. Um, And she's a mom and she's absolutely freaking incredible. And she started this organization called Hope Scarves. Hope Scarves .org is how you can learn about them. Um, and again, all of these will be in the show notes on milfpodcast.com. Anytime I mention anything on the show like this, you don't have to remember it. You could just go to the podcast website later when you have a mo and um, check it out. Everything will be clickable and you can you can go and see that there. But um, so Laura started Hope Scarves because a woman gave her when she was in cancer treatment and her hair was falling out because of chemo someone gave her these scarves that they had used, another cancer survivor. And there were these beautiful head scarves. And she said, and wearing them gave me such strength because, you know, they had this person's story and this person's recovery attached to them. So then Laura got out of treatment and she didn't need them anymore. Her hair started growing back. And she called the woman and said, Hey, I'm done with these scarves. Can I, where can I send them? And the woman said, no, pass them on to someone else who's in treatment. And Laura said, oh my gosh, of course, yes. And so that began this beautiful dream that she's now manifested into a reality of 
this organization where cancer survivors continually give this chain of scarves to each other and include their stories of recovery in it, their stories of recovery, their stories of treatment, their stories of all the things that happen, the trauma of it, everything. And it's all on there on the website. So you can get involved. You can donate, you can buy scarves, you can gift scarves. It's really beautiful. You can write your story and submit it to the website. I'm just absolutely blown away by this woman and by this whole organization. And her episode is coming up in January. So I look forward to sharing that with you guys. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce today's guest. So today's guest, I cannot introduce by name because she is anonymous. Today's guest came to me through a friend who mentioned to me, oh, hey, you know, we, I don't even know what we were talking about, but she said, yeah, yeah, I have this friend and she's a single mom and she does sex cam work. And I said, mm-hmm, excuse? And my friend said, oh yeah, 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 yeah. She, she makes really good money and she does that because she's a single mom and she's struggling. She's pursuing something else. And I immediately said, do you think she'd be on the show? And she said, I don't know. Let me call her. And she called her friend and her friend said, yes. And I said, oh my God, I'm so excited. I can't hardly contain myself. And the woman came to my home and we did the interview here and I asked her almost everything I wanted to know. I mean, there wasn't quite enough time within an hour, but she was so wonderful and so open and so fabulous. And I have been just sitting on pins and needles waiting to share this episode with you guys because it's really juicy. It's really, really juicy. So without further ado, for the first time in MILF history, I would like to introduce today's guest, your anonymous MILF. Please enjoy my conversation with her. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I, this Seriously. is so exciting. I'm so honored. And oh. what a beautiful, like you're friends with my friend. And so that's how I found you. And like, I just love that connection of like women connecting women. And yeah. There's something really great about that. Yeah. So. She texted me and I just said, absolutely. I'm totally doing that. <laughs> I'm so, so happy. Once I heard your story, she just was talking about you. And I said, would she be on the show? Yeah, that would be yeah. Yes. Anyway, so this is this is really epic, and thank you for being here. Oh. So I kind of want to start a little bit from the beginning. Like, where did you grow up? I grew up here. I grew up in LA. <gasps> You're a native. I'm a native. We are rare, yeah. but we exist. Yes. Yeah. So I grew up in sort of Hollywood Hills ish area. Oh my god. Born and raised. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, I never managed to leave. I love it here. This weird little bubble that we're in. It is a weird little bubble. <laughs> yeah. It is a weird little bubble that is currently burning, but yeah, we hope that they get that sorted out. It's yeah. just every year, it seems like it's worse, even though it was horrible last year. There's something so apocalyptic about it right? now. It's a very different energy. Everyone feels very frantic and packed yeah. together and worried and just... They're all over the place. They keep popping up. So it's, it does it feel apoc- different this time. I yeah. couldn't say that word, but yes. <laughs> Not the fish, opakapaka, that you eat in Hawaii. Um, so, okay, so you grew up here. Mm-hmm. Did you, when you graduated high school, did you go to college after that? I did. I went to USC and I studied journalism. And minored in art history and Italian. Oh, awesome. I just, I wanted to learn everything. And I almost didn't care what I did with that major as a career. I went to school to go to class. Mm. I wanted to just choose and flip through the course catalog and just blindly choose whatever I wanted to learn. (sighs) So I chose the most random classes all the time. And just wanted to suck it all up before I had to start <laughs> paying my own bills. <laughs> yeah, totally, really. Yeah. So, um, and what happened when you had to start real life? Did you did you stay in school? Did you go to more school? Like no, some I do? actually my um, let's see. When I was entering my senior year of high school, I met my soon to be husband and then later to be ex husband. Got it. Um, but yeah, we met at a bar when I was just about to turn 21. Uh And so right after that, I just kind of went into senior year of school, graduated, went into a couple internships, one of them which turned into a job, but he and I stayed together all of my 20s. Wow. So I didn't go back to school or I didn't seek like higher education beyond college. And you're 32 now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just So you guys 
were together and got married? Yep. We got married when I was 25. Oh my gosh. That's so young. It was so young. But you don't think, when you're 25, you don't think it's young. You think you know everything. Or I did. I, I just... No, you're so cocky. And you just so think cocky. like, I know what I'm doing. I'm an adult now. Yeah. I'm in my mid-20s. <laughs> And I'm going to do it. This is the greatest decision. And I mean, my whole family had their jaws on the floor. Like, are you, are you sure? Are you sure about that? You know, because my ex-husband is 17 years older than I am. Oh, wow. So I just said, well, he knows what he's doing. Right. I know what I'm doing. So combined, we both really know what we're doing. The bird and the fish are going to make it work. You all just watch. This is <laughs> Little did I know, it was like a decade-long dumpster fire that oh. everybody was <laughs> Oh, honey. Oh, God. Shocked at, but I mean, yeah, I really thought I knew what I was doing, but I was sort of the guinea pig amongst my friends for sure, real sort of adult relationship, marriage, and then eventually, you know, getting pregnant and having a baby. I mean, I was really like, I was patient zero amongst yeah. my friends for yeah. what it's like to do that, and it was exciting but isolating, yeah, at the same time, yeah. So. And were you working at the time? I was working, yes. I was a personal shopper. Oh, um, so I was that doing sounds that. fun. Yeah, it was really fun. And um, I was also working in retail simultaneously. And then when I got pregnant, I worked probably all the way up until eight months and then became a stay-at-home mom. And was that because there was no way for you to actually work and have childcare and have the money make sense? Or were you just like, I just want to be with my baby? What, what I think was it was just the idea. And I also, you know, my mom was a stay at home mom. So yeah. I think just on, you know, influence and imprinting alone, I thought that was what I wanted to do as well. Yeah. But I mean, it was a myriad of things. Like after a year I was itching to go back to work mm. And also we weren't working out. It was very tumultuous towards the end. So I just, I, I wanted to make money of my own. It was starting to make me a little nervous to be financially dependent on somebody that I knew in my heart I eventually was going to leave. Yeah. So yeah. it was, um, yeah, I was two-sided, I guess, that yeah. I walked away from being a stay-at-home mom. But in the beginning, it felt so right. That's what I wanted to do. And I'm so grateful for that year. I really am. It was because you never get that back. And you it don't. was, yeah. I was really fortunate enough to be able to do that. So yeah. it was, it was great. Yeah. yeah. And as exhausting as it is, it's, I mean, it's exhausting either way. I, I was also a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. And I, even though I, I hate that term, I don't know why, <laughs> or just like, because it's like, I guess it's because of my old, my own old definitions of it, because it's like, it doesn't, you're not doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like you're just staying at home, yeah. eating bonbons, watching Ellen. Like you are caring for an infant full time. Oh, and, yeah. and also, you know, I don't want to disrespect the women that go right back to work, you know, after oh, they finish their maternity leave. I think, I think both are really hard and there's mom guilt that come with both. And you know, it's just a personal choice. Yeah. Um, I wish people had more of a choice. I wish we had, like I was interviewing a woman a couple of weeks ago. She lives in Canada and I didn't know this until I talked to her. Canada gives you one year. Canada, oh. the country of Canada, the government pays you one year of maternity leave. Oh my God. One year. I was fortunate. <laughs> I was fortunate enough where I was working that I had six months paid leave. And then mm. I had an additional two months that were unpaid, but with job security. Oh, that's Should I great. want to come back? So I, I took that eight months and then with, you know, the knowledge that I wasn't going to come back, yeah. but you know, and then the f rest of the four months of that year, I was obviously, you know, paid, that's paying great. our own way through yeah. it. But yeah, it's funny. You, you get that guilt externally and internally. You give yourself yes. shit for staying at home because you feel comparatively that you're not doing enough. Yeah. Some people give you shit for yeah. it. You just you get yeah. it either way. It's true. It doesn't matter what you do. Somebody else is always going to say something, a snide yeah. comment, a passive aggressive comment. Yeah. If and you if decide working, to have one kid, oh God, why didn't you have even. another one? Yeah. You know, All the things, people's opinions. It's so funny. And, and also conversely, you know, I have many friends who work and have nannies or who don't even work and have nannies. And it's like, oh, you have a nanny. And it's like, fuck yeah, she has a nanny, bitch. You wish bitch, you had a I'd nanny. Kill to have yeah. a nanny. Like I'd sell an organ on the her. black market to have a nanny. <laughs> Gimme. You know, Can we just, share? Yeah. It's just so funny. Like instead of elevating each other, sometimes, I mean, not always. Oh, I'm so sorry, listeners. 
I knew the gardeners were going to be here. Someone this is time. at the door. Yeah, he you just got to know about yeah. it. Sorry about that. Uh, he will do it one more time when the gardener leaves. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> so, um, so at a year when your daughter, your daughter, you have a daughter, right? Mm-hmm. When your daughter was one, yeah, is that when you decided to? leave your marriage and start working again? Or what was, what was the chronology? It was, you know, it was a lot while I was, I guess there's so many things that led up to it. When I found out I was pregnant and we had been trying, it wasn't, you know, we weren't unprepared for it. We'd been talking about it, planning for it. I went off at birth control. We started using condoms. Like we were planning to have a baby. So when I found out I was pregnant, his reaction to it, I think the, the, reality it hit him when I sort of burst out of the bathroom door, like really excitedly with a positive test. It's like all the color drained from his face, zero excitement. And it just was this very weird moment. And it just set the tone for the whole pregnancy. And, and it was, yeah, it was, it was bad. I mean, when I, and when your friends obviously ask you like, Oh, was, you know, was he really excited? And what was his reaction? And I found myself lying every time just saying, Oh, he was thrilled. And you know, it was, it was, it was mildly heartbreaking really, you know, cause yeah, you want to be on the same page of excitement. And obviously I'm a human and I know that, having a child is nerve wracking and terrifying and all of these things, but there wasn't even a tinge of excitement in there. And I think that really was confusing for me and kind of upsetting. So yeah, it just set the tone for the pregnancy and he had been struggling with alcohol and drug addiction. And so it just became tenfold while I was pregnant. I don't know if it was because of the building pressure or whatever reasons, but it got very bad. He would leave on benders for days at a time. Oh I was God. alone a lot when I was pregnant. Oh my gosh. And it's funny because I eventually told my sister because nobody really knew what I was going through at the time. But I told her that I would have these recurring dreams. Um, I told her later that I would have these recurring dreams that she was in the delivery room with me every time. And it was very weird. It just, even my subconscious was wishing that I was almost going through this alone by choice. It was the removal of choice to be, you know, sort of isolated in this very, you know, hormonal and intense and stressful experience and to feel like you're alone in it, but not by choice. This person is choosing to not be here and not help. Abandoned. You were abandoned. abandoned. Yeah. And so when we had her, we were in this beautiful little bubble of being together for just this little moment. And I, I, looking back on it, it was a little bitter, you know, sad, but I held on to these, you know, couple months that we were really in this together. And, you know, you think to yourself like, oh, maybe this kind of changed everything, actually having her sort of reset reality. And maybe we're on our way toward recovery together and recovery for him separately. And I think as soon as he thought that I was okay, that I was healthy and healing. I'd had a C-section so Mm. um, that I was healed and everything was going swimmingly. You know, I started to go out again a little more and a little more and a little more. And then it just, it took off. And so I I feel like I had just been slowly building to leave. I just didn't have the guts to do it for a while. And then I finally, finally did because it got so bad and got abusive toward the end. And it just, it was time. Physically, emotionally, both. Emotionally and verbally for a very long time, um, which is confusing when you're, when you've been with someone for that long, when you've met somebody, when you're just a child, really. I mean, when I, looking back on it, when you're 21, you're a kid, you know, and you think you know everything, but you're still forming yourself. And so to form yourself alongside somebody that's simultaneously hurting you, And then healing you is very disorienting, very dizzying. And, you know, he was the person that would pick me up after he just slammed me on the ground, you know, and it's just, it's a very sort of toxic and codependent sphere that you spend way too much time in. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a rabbit hole and you just, it's a loop that you find yourself in and it's, it drives you crazy slowly, Yeah, you know, where you know that this is hurtful, abusive, that it's hurting you, that you should not be in this. But then at the same time, they're 
loving you abundantly the next day, apologizing, making it up to you, making yeah. promises and all yeah. of these things. And so you, you're just kind of training yourself to keep believing yeah. it, keep staying hopeful, that little yeah. bit that, you know, maybe we can work on this. And, oh, he really didn't mean it. When you start making excuses for sure. someone, you almost become their PR person. Yeah. yeah. You'd start saying like, oh, he was in a bad mood that day. Or, you know, I went a little too far and, you know, I pushed him to say those things or to do those things. Yeah. And yeah, it was, it was my daughter, I think that really got me out of it. And there was one day where he was screaming at me. I mean, in my, mm. like inches away from my face, spitting on me, screaming at me. Was he drunk or just in a rage? Just in a rage. Mm. I think it was more of like, um... He was sort of jonesing to go out and use, and I could see it. It was like a pattern most of the time because I knew him so well. And he would create conflict in order to storm out the door. It gave him reason or permission rather to leave and to go. So he was inches away from my face and screaming at me. And I, I glanced over and my daughter was just sort of staring at me. And I think that it was just this total sort of aha, come to Jesus moment where yeah. um, I just thought to myself, I was like, I'm, I'm being humiliated in front of my own child. And also, if she were to ever come to me and say that somebody was treating her that way, who am I to say you should leave him? Yeah. Look who I'm standing next to, mm. you know? And so that she was the one, honestly, that she made me leave. How and old was, was she at that point? She was almost had just turned a year old. And so again, I was a stay at home mom, so I didn't have any money of my own. He controlled all the finances. We, we weren't even joint bank account. He controlled everything. So I had to do everything very quietly and very discreetly. I started a private GoFundMe and just texted it to all my friends and told them to send it to their family. So that you could get out of the I raised money for a retainer, for a lawyer, privately. Wow. And so, yeah, and I'm very grateful for my friends and my family to help me do that. Um, And then I finally did, and again, simultaneously, I was reaching out to find jobs and to do things, and I had a few amazing, amazing friends that just really went above and beyond to make that happen for me. Wow, girl. I mean, it's so amazing. You know, I don't know if you know any of my story, but I went through a divorce Mm -hmm. and fortunately my ex-husband and I, uh, and we've been divorced just over a year now, but we've separated for three. We're together for 14 Mm -hmm. and he and I are actually both sober. Oh, great. A long time. And I'm so grateful that even though, you know, divorce is never fun, like Mm -hmm. it was yucky and the mediation was yucky, but it was, um, it was as amicable as I could hope for it to be. And we're still really great friends and great co-parents and everything. But for me, like it took me years to decide to leave and to also know that I would be okay financially, you know? And there are many days that I still don't because oh, I I completely understand that. It's terrifying. And as a woman, you know, we earn, you know, 80 cents to the comparative dollar, like all the things. And it's just not set up for us to be mothers and, independent workers, single working mothers. It's just, it's yeah, it's not set up for us that way. So what kind of work did you get at the time? Um, I got work as an executive assistant just for a friend's mom that I started doing and I was making decent money and I had health insurance and she worked with me on my hours so that I could do daycare or preschool yeah. um, drop-offs and pickups without it interfering with you know my work and my yeah. life. And I was really grateful for that. And obviously having grown up in Los Angeles, I moved back in with my parents, um, which was a godsend. Yeah, you know, as God. someone with yeah. no money and a kid, it yeah. was like free childcare. Yeah. And my dad was sick at the time. So it was almost a mutual leaning mm. between me and my mom where I helped my mom in caring for my dad and she helped me in caring for my kids. Yeah. So it was kind of beautiful in that way to come back to that house where I could give back to them, but they, you know, they obviously took care of me as they always did. Yeah. So yeah, it was nice. And it's amazing when you come out of a marriage like that, you know, I was 29 and I had 
almost zero clue that anybody would ever want to date me ever again. I felt so undesirable and hopeless. I felt like damaged goods. I had a kid, you know, and suddenly you're competing with this pool in Los Angeles of just, I mean, these people that are seemingly perfect from the outside. And here I am. I'm like, I'm a fucking mess. Like, who's going to go for this? Well, you know this now, but they're a fucking mess too. Like every single one of them is a fucking mess. Believe me, I know that. (laughs) But but, But yeah, I know that feeling in the moment. It's like, I'm washed up. Yeah. I'm all washed up. Yeah. Yeah. Who's going to want this? So luckily that I I snapped out of that. that. But, you know, I was in the supermarket and my daughter was in the shopping cart and this guy who was really handsome, he hit on me at the supermarket. And I had like, it was like me talk pretty one day. I had no idea what to say to him. I had no idea. Like, I just had this blank stare. I couldn't understand why he was talking to me. So he kind of backed away slowly, <laughs> went back from whence he came. But I was just, had zero clue. Yeah, I was like... You know, and with the dating apps and everything, they were invented while I was married. So I felt like somebody that got out of prison when the internet was invented. I was just like, what the fuck are these? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I get to window shop for humans. This is amazing. It's so weird. It's the weirdest thing. It's so crazy. So did that, did you go on a date with that gentleman? No, I didn't. I, I just, I literally you just were still stared stunned. at him. Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. No clue. Yeah. None. Yeah. But then I went on this dating rampage and yeah, that was fun. But yeah. it was, it was a nice sort of personal exercise just to remind me like, yes. you're fine. Yeah. You're okay. You got this girl. Yeah. yeah you yeah, are yeah. still a desirable, viable yes. human being that people find to be interesting and Compelling not and hopeless sexy and, and yeah, virile. Yeah, yeah. And yes, yeah. like just, yeah. there was a big yes that came Ugh. back to me where, you know, it just yeah. gave me hope and yeah. made me feel like I could do this. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So you're executive assisting Mm -hmm. and how long did that last? Um, that lasted like a year and a half and that job was just sort of running its course for me. And so I reached out to another friend of mine who had mentioned that the place she worked for was looking for an executive assistant. So I went over there, which was wonderful and I loved it. But there was always part of me, um, for a long time, I'd always wanted to get my real estate license and I hadn't had the time. I didn't have the luxury of time to just study and just stop working and go for it. And I felt like when I, when I left there, it was time. I had been kind of quietly studying every weekend and going for it. And I finally passed my real estate license exam and I signed on with a team. And so I now have my real estate license. But in the meantime, while I'm kind of building that into being a substantial business, I have to kind of get creative and find other means of making money. Okay. So let's dive into that, (laughs) (laughs) which was the, which was a reason, if not the reason that I wanted you to be on the show. Yeah. So can you say what this work is? I can't. What do you call it? I I mean, I guess I would call it camming. Camming. Okay. Yes. But it's, it's a lot of other things tied with that. Okay. And how it started was actually really interesting too. If, hmm, let's see, let's go back. A few months into starting at that new place as an executive assistant, I met a guy, went out on a date with him. He was lovely and we hit it off and we started dating, but it was very sort of hot and heavy and passionate and fast and furious. And like, we were both very sexual, just like passionate people. And we just latched onto one another and it was wonderful. And it was sort of this like rumspringa amongst the two of us where we just like wanted to live our lives fully next to each other, which in retrospect was probably not the healthiest thing, (laughs) but it's fun to do that. Fun, (laughs) And, um, especially coming out of everything you'd just been through. Oh yeah. And I, and you know, on top of all of the, the junk that happened when I was married, it was also very sort of sexually controlling and repressive. And I've always been a naturally very sort of sensual and exploratory person. And so to have that be repressed for almost a decade, I was just like, I I couldn't wait to sort of 
re-explore that in my 30s. What a wonderful time to do that when I actually know what to do with my body and I'm not like this baby giraffe walking around (laughs) the sex world. (laughs) Um, And uh, so anyways, we just, we would have these conversations all the time that were about like fantasies and desire and what, what would you try that you've never tried before? What have you always wanted to do, but you felt that you couldn't do with a partner because you felt shame or embarrassment or whatever. And he was honest enough with me to say that he would love to watch me with someone else. And so (laughs) I, I, you know, I'm, I'm very open. I'm very, um, yeah, I'll, I'll try anything almost. And so I just said, yeah, let's just try it. Why not? Yeah. And I said, I don't even know where to begin. How do we find this person? What do we do? And I also, you know, and so we just, um, put our heads together and started (laughs) thinking about it and putting it together. And I went on Reddit and Reddit is just this like dark. <laughs> I mean, I, some people go in there for like political links or links about wow, science no or just idea. funny memes. The but there time. is a dark underbelly that I never knew really? about. Really? Okay. And so you know, that. you could find literally anything on there, anything that you are into or looking for. You just type it in, and up it pops. And so we went on there, and I it was all faceless. It was anonymous, and I basically put out like a little ad, looking for somebody to join us for the night. And I listed. I mean, it was like I was writing down a recipe. I listed down my physical specifications, and you must be this tall to ride, and this kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it was ride. really fun. And we ended up finding somebody, and it was really fun. And it. I think the problem there, though, was that it should have just been maybe a one-off experience or something that maybe happened once a year or once every six months. But I think it started to evolve into becoming a lifestyle, which is something that I didn't really want. And then he said, you know, I think uh, comparatively also, he wanted to have his own fun in that way. Uh And so then he started playing on his side, but it wasn't with me. It was one-on-one. And then that created paranoia and jealousy and all, you know, anyways, that's, I mean, I'm sure we can all guess that that sort of led to the ruin of the two of us. Yes. However, this whole world of Reddit was exposed to me and I started doing my research on there and just looking on there. And there is a, um, a particular that's called subreddits. There's a particular subreddit called Gone Wild, and it has almost, I think, three million subscribers. Wow, three million. Wow. I mean, it's it's incredible, and it's these women and girls. I mean, most of them are college age or in their twenties, and they're just posting these very real sort of nudes of themselves that are clearly taken with like an iPhone or their cell phone. They're not perfect. There's cellulites and bumps and lumps and all of these, you know, perfectly imperfect, beautiful women on there just showcasing themselves either faceless or with face, whatever you want to do. But I have always been an exhibitionist. I've always been kind of a show pony and a performer in my own way in my body. I'm very rooted in my body and I like moving it and showing off in front of either partners or just people in general. And so I said to my boyfriend at the time, I was like, I want to do that. Yeah. I want to post a photo of myself. Yeah. And, um, you know, he said, go for it. And I was a little nervous because obviously as women, we're like cripplingly comparative creatures and we, you know, stand ourselves next to these girls that are just like bouncy and elastic and perfect. And they're just like, oh, I'm my way to philosophy class. And they're just like, <laughs> like not an ounce of anything wrong on them. And you're just like, well, fuck, I'm going to go right after you. This sucks. And so I uploaded a photo. And to my surprise, I got hundreds of messages from people that were just saying, you know, besides obviously like the very fun and salacious and dirty comments, I got these messages that just said like, I commend you being on here, you know, like as a fellow single parent, like you're so beautiful. And I just wanted to say like having a post baby body, like you are stunning and perfect Mm. and all these things. And I have to say like, it's kind of an addictive feeling to get that validation, especially post baby where you're so unsure about, 
your body and how it looks and you know you literally had your body cut open you did and yeah yeah. and it's 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 a little nerve-wracking to be naked in front of people for the first time so you know to get that response from people that is just this like exclamation point you know like wow you look amazing and you just kind of say like I do really Mm. like thanks Mm. okay Mm. and it feels awesome and from there, I just kind of kept posting a photo or a video every once in a while. And obviously all faceless or like the bottom half of my face. But you had, I'm sorry to interrupt you. So yeah, you no, had no. written a little bit about yourself saying that you were a single parent and... My captions would always be very sort of enticing or clever. I was, um, I guess I was thinking to myself, how could I set myself apart from... Yeah these girls because it becomes a little bit monotonous when you see like this, you know, like perky co-ed perfection that's just flooding the internet. And, you know, I have to say like, I have a hard time looking away from it because it's just gorgeous. It's like looking into a fire. But with me, I just said, okay, well, how, how can I set myself apart a little bit? And so I think one of my first captions was like, not bad for a mom, huh? You Mm. know, and just like as a question mark. And you know, the, the response just was overwhelming. And then from there, I just kind of went with it and made it my own thing. And it felt good almost making it my own thing. It was separate from my boyfriend at the time. It was, it was all mine. It was something that I used as my own platform for empowerment and encouragement and just exhibitionism and fun and feeling sexy and beautiful in my own way. And Yeah. yeah, it just felt it felt right to be doing that as my own form of sexual expression just for me. Yeah. And I felt like it was also safe. It was behind glass. Yeah. No one could touch me or, yeah. you know, really know who I was. And you can kind of create this persona a little bit, which in the midst of everyday mom life is a really nice escape to kind of be in this fantasy world where you're like this sexual superhero yeah. amongst people and they're so excited and clamoring yeah. to see your next photo or video and it's it's a little intoxicating to yeah. be honest well and it feels you know it's interesting to have this conversation and then I, I want to get into how how that segued into the camming yeah but this idea of objectification being a negative thing like there are many times that I want to be objectified as a woman and as a sexual entity, you know, and it's just, it's, it's a gray area that unfortunately many predatory people, men and women, you know, have taken advantage of. And so it's like, we're finding, I think as a society, these kind of little areas of gray or, or we're kind of making our own way of where that can be safe for us. You know, we have to know ourselves first a little bit, but yeah, it is in it. It's, it's validating, but more than that, it's just satiating to feel that like it's delicious. Yeah, it really is. (laughs) It's such an incredible experience. And I couldn't agree with you more is that I, you know, obviously like variety is incredible. So being able to, hone in on and entertain your different moods, you know, am I feeling a little submissive today? Do I feel like I'd like to be objectified or do I want, you know, something that's very sensual and intimate and romantic and just connected or, you know, do I want like something rough and disconnected and just passionate and all of these things? I mean, the beauty of it is that it should be your choice. Yes. Whatever you're feeling that day, you should be able to go for it, own it and feel safe to express that to your partner and just do it. Yeah. And I love that, that in this safe space, I could just think to myself like, huh, I want to feel a little bit like not like a little girl really, but just sort of like taken care of. And I want to feel like small and like next to somebody who's very masculine and dominating. And so I'd like to make a video or a photo where I look a little bit cuter instead of like this grown woman, you know? And so, but it's my choice. It's fun. It's sort of like I'm fulfilling whatever character that I feel like being that day. So tell me how you segued from posting these photos Mm -hmm. As really just a form of your own expression. There was no money Mm -hmm. exchanged for these. This was just your own personal gratification, really. Mm -hmm. How did that segue into the camming? Okay, so I... um, Is camming spelled with one M or two M's? Two M's. Otherwise, it's (laughs) caming. 
I'm sure that's a thing somewhere. I'm sure there's a subreddit for I'm that. I'm sure there is. Um, so when I was posting, I would get tons of messages from people asking like, you know, do you sell private content? Do you have a premium Snapchat? Do you have all of these things? And I would dismiss them. I would ignore them every single time because in my mind, I was also, I was with somebody at the time and I, it wasn't really the point of it. The point of it for me was just this sort of reclaiming of my sexuality and owning it. And that was currency in itself for me. Mm. However, you know, I'm, I'm a single income, single mom. And so after a while, when you get that many messages, you start to think to yourself, like, I could actually make something out of this. If not just literally having money, like a little stash of money every week to pay bills. I mean, that sounds incredible. Yeah. Just one less worry off of my mind because yeah. I sent like five photos to somebody for $50. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. And so I feel like it was when, um, when my boyfriend and I broke up, that was kind of in a weird way, gave me a little bit more permission to explore the monetization of that and really going for it. Yeah. And yeah, I just, uh, who was maybe the first person that paid me for something? I'm trying to think. Oh, there was a guy, he messaged me and he has a panty fetish. So he asked if he could buy my underwear off of me. I love it. And I just thought to myself, I'm like, I mean, these are from Costco, but like, okay. <laughs> like, you know, live your dreams out loud, Kirk, buddy. Little, you want some Kirkland underwear? Right. <laughs> yeah. You want some high cut Do you want a 24 briefs? pack of water with that? <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. I was like, I paid $25 for five of these. Yeah. So yeah, sure. Oh, wait, how that. much did he pay you for one pair? $75. Shut up. And I just, <laughs> I just thought to myself, like, well, this is great. And it's <laughs> so wait a minute, you had to keep it anonymous, but did you just shove them in a in an envelope and then walk over to the post office? I mean, you didn't. I know. Mean, if, if I'm going to go for something, I'm going to go for it. Okay, You're going to get now. like the I full thing. Know. So I um Right. I, I'm being so crass. Shove them in an envelope. No, yeah, I'm sure they were like wrapped in silk ribbon. And yes, I'm sure. <laughs> just looking at you and how beautifully put together you are. Oh, just thank even. you. Okay, go on. Um, no, so he, he had specifications. He oh. wanted me to wear them for 24 hours. Oh. And he wanted me to exercise in them. Oh, God. <laughs> so, you know, live your dreams out loud, whatever you, you know, whatever floats your boat. But I just said, I mean, I would do that anyways. So yeah. sure, I'll just <laughs> send them to a P.O. box when I'm done. <laughs> So I folded them very nicely and I put them in almost like a sachet looking thing. Did. Of course I yes. did. But I also had them wrapped so that the uh, <laughs> so that the odor was preserved on the underwear. Got it. And I wrote a note to him saying, Thank Wait a minute. You. Wait a minute. How do you preserve the odor? Was it in like a baggie, like a Ziploc baggie? Yeah. Saran wrap? Yeah. Got it. Yep. And um, then sent it to, I mean, this is, it's I just as it. funny to me as no, this to you. I'm loving every minute of this. So then I sent them to him and it was to a P.O. box and my address was anonymous as well. And he paid, I, I messaged him right as I was about to send them. And he sent them to my anonymous PayPal that I have set up through Reddit mm -hmm. um, with my Reddit name. So mm -hmm. nobody knows my real name. And, um, yeah, sent them to him. He was super grateful. And I mean, he did it with me probably every week for a couple months. I mean, like, wow, that's, that's my gas. I was just going to say so that's like, your buddy, like <laughs> making my weekly commutes a lot less stressful. <laughs> oh my God. So, okay. That was the first one. What were the next couple of requests? Um, socks underwear, socks and underwear. If I wore a full outfit on there, they would offer to buy the entire outfit that I wore. And, and, and were these, I'm assuming they're all gentlemen. Were there some ladies? The, there are ladies that message me that just say like, I love you or I love your posts and you know, mm. you're so sexy or are you interested in women? But they, they aren't clients, let's say they Got are it. like paying okay. clients, but I love those messages just as much. But so your clients are men mm -hmm. and were these men that you were mailing the clothing items to, mm -hmm. were they engaging with you on video or were they asking you for photographs? They just wanted your clothes. 
they just wanted my clothes. However, I feel like it's almost strange how this came so naturally to me, this whole world. They would ask if they could have like a daily photo or an update of me wearing the socks. And I would immediately just reply like, I'm going to charge you extra for that. Yeah. And most of them said, okay. And so I, you know, I would make double off of it or, you know, and then it's, yeah, I, it still blows my mind how this is even happening, really. Well, so, okay. So, but <laughs> sometimes I just have so many questions, and thank you for being so patient with me. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, this, yeah. This is so fascinating to me. Thank you for being patient with me, trying to put it into words. Oh, my God. No, hard. you're doing great. Are you okay. kidding? You're killing this. Mm-hmm. So, you you had previously posted in this account that you have some mm-hmm. nude photos of yourself, or photos of yourself in oh, lingerie, yeah. or both, all, yeah. without your face. Yeah. So that was like the sexual arousal part that led them to whatever their fetishes are. Yes. Have there and were there at that time. Because how long have you been doing this now? Um, I've been doing it for almost a year. Okay. Were there requests and are there requests mm-hmm. for videos or is it like, is there a thing where it's like Skype where the person's live on the other yeah, end? Yeah, there's multiple requests. There's people that ask for live Skype sessions or Snapchat. Do you do that? Um, I, I've done it a couple of times. I didn't really enjoy it though. So I kind of say no to it now. What didn't you enjoy about it? Um, Hmm. Did it feel too personal? That I don't mind really. It's more of something I think I'm and I'm not saying that my socks and underwear turn me on. <laughs> I'm, that sect of it is sort of harmless for me to send to people. Yeah. It's not, I'm not worse for wear. There's no real time consumption that's yeah. coming out of that. I'm not exposing anything really personal of myself yeah. to them. I'm just, I'm literally just sending them my clothing. It's yeah. like sexual eBay. Yeah. I mean, it really, that's just what it equates to in my mind. If there's a part of me that hesitates that I might not want to do it or it doesn't turn me on or I'm a little worried about it, I usually say no, Mm -hmm. even if they offer me money. And I think there is a lot more money in live Skype sessions. So I usually will make custom videos for somebody where I make them on my own time. They're not live. They sort of give me their little requirements of what they'd love to see or what really turns them on. And then I make it for them and send it to them. I see. All through the platform. Mm -hmm. So it's all safe. Yes. And there's something about, for me at least with the live Skype sessions and, you know, I, there are women that make a full-time living out of camming. This is a part-time thing for me. So it's also time management and, you know, I'm doing school pickups and school drop-offs and all these things. Like I don't have time to just sort of do these back and forth videos and when do you do this during the day? Do you do during the day when your daughter's at school? During the day or at night when she's, she's asleep. asleep. Yeah. It's, it's literally whenever she's not in the house. Of course. Yeah. Or not awake. And yeah, it, I find that live people start requesting more and more and more and ask for more and more and more. And in the moment, it's a little like... It's a little awkward to demand more or ask for more because you're in this momentum. Vulnerable. Or if you're vulnerable, and it if just you're like, feel, yeah. it's just not for me. So yeah. I do more of like custom content where somebody will say, you know, I'd really love it if you dressed up in black lingerie and like stripped, or I'd really love it if you were dressed the whole time and just talking to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people want different things all the time, but what I've also made a decent amount of money off of is phone sex is literally just audio. And I myself love audio. I love sound. Sound is really important to me, especially yeah. in the sexual sphere. It's so intimate. Like to It have is so that. intimate. Yeah. And there's also something about video that I'm most likely not going to get off if I'm live video chatting with you. I'm really yeah. distracted. I feel like I need to perform. Does my body look okay? Are you turned on? Oh, wait, I can't show my, like, I'm trying not to show my face. You know, if I were this girl that just, it's all out there, you could see my face and this and that, I'd probably be fine. I'd just prop the phone up and do whatever I want. But I'm very aware of my movements and not getting caught in the frame where you see who I am and all these things. So it's not fun for me. And I'm not going to do it just because there's money being waved in front of my face. Mm. I feel like I wouldn't feel good about myself walking away from something Mm. I did that I 
than like. Mm -hmm. So with audio, it's great because I love it just as much. And I think they can tell that Mm -hmm. I get off on it. I love it. So do these clients, the phone sex clients come Mm -hmm. through the Reddit account also? They come through the Reddit and they've mostly been coming recently because I reached a certain amount of followers and I wanted to thank them because a lot of people were asking what I sound like and I won't show them what I totally look like. So I figured I'll give you my voice. Yeah. So I recorded a video sort of saying thank you and just giving them this, yeah. what you're hearing right now. And I got so many messages from people that just said like, I'm dying for you to, you know, say dirtier things to me personally. And, you know, for me to masturbate while yep. you talk to me or whatever. And yeah. I, you know, I love doing that just yeah. as much. So yeah. let's do it. And so how do you do that with like, you can't use your phone, obviously. Do you do it through Reddit? I will do it mainly through Snapchat because you can call people on Snapchat. So I have a premium Snapchat that's under the same username. It's all under the same username everywhere. So I have that through there and you just sort of click on the phone call and you can have a phone call and it's completely, you know, anonymous. Anonymous. You don't know my name. You don't know my phone number. And Skype, I've kind of, I've moved away from that. I think in the very beginning I was a little naive and just thought, you know, when you talk to somebody and you don't totally want them to know your number, you go through Skype and it's like, there's so much, so much of your information is a little too open on Skype and it worried me. And so I I moved away from that, went into Snapchat. Yeah. Wow. So how often do you, (laughs) I'm, I'm just so it's, it's, it's fascinating and it's really interesting and it's something that, you know, I'm so grateful you came onto the show and I just think we all need to talk about this so much more because yeah. You know, I mean, I, I talk about it quite a bit here on the show and in life. And, you know, I'm, I'm writing a novel that is about a mom who becomes a dominatrix. Oh. And so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I've been doing, obviously for years, I've been doing research on it. And I just recently started doing personal research on it. Yeah. And. Um, That's fantastic. It's so fascinating. Yeah. And what you learn about yourself and what you learn about or what I've learned about even me, I'm very open. I mean, I was a professional burlesque dancer, belly dancer. I'm a pole dancer. Um, and my preconceived like notions of sexuality and sensuality and limits and I don't have those fascinating. (laughs) I don't have limits. (laughs) (laughs) Now let's talk about that. Do you have limits? I mean, you just talked about some of them that you do. It's just for me personally. Like I don't, I don't enjoy, um, I'll, I'll be submissive in the right hands. If I feel like I'm, you know, if I feel trust and respect and, you know, that it's really just play, I'm fine with being submissive, but I don't want to be degraded or submissive with somebody that on some level thinks that I deserve to be treated that way. And a lot of men just on little levels really think that, you know, they own you a little bit that they can control that part of you and, you know, limit what you wear or how, you know, I mean, my, my ex-husband used to control like what I went out in that I couldn't wear certain things when I wasn't with him. If I went out with girlfriends, I had to dress a little more conservatively and, you know, and I'd never been that way. And in a way I, I almost attribute it to my, mom, but mostly my dad, I would dress however I wanted growing up and in college. And my dad never for a second ever said like, go cover up, put Mm. this on. He always just said, you look fantastic. Like if I felt good about myself, I didn't have shame in that world. I felt like, you know, and he always, you know, he was flirtatious with people in front of me. I would watch movies and, you know, that were like, pretty sexual or sensual and, you know, movies with drag queens and all these things with my dad and my dad loved all of it. Like you could just, you know, it sounds strange saying that, like, I loved that my dad was a sexual person, but it, it it was, he modeled healthy sexuality for you. It was a very freeing way to, to just live, to be among somebody that, there was nothing wrong with it. They're just bodies, yeah. you know, and yeah. like pleasure and excitement and dressing sexy is fun and yeah. it doesn't indicate anything negative about you. Yeah. And I moved into my sexual exploration with that in mind. Yeah. And on top of that, I read 
you know, Anais Nin and Bukowski and Henry Miller and John Fonte and all of these beautifully kind of dirty, salacious writers. So I, I always had just this big mind when it came to sex and fantasy and exploration and all of yeah. these things. And there was zero shame until I got into the relation, you know, my, my marriage. And so coming out of that, there were so many parts of it that I just wanted to break free from yeah. and rediscover myself and kind of ask myself the question in my thirties, what turns you on? What do you like? Yeah. Cause I lived an entire decade worrying about how to please somebody else and what turns them on and sort of taking a back seat to my own exploration. And now being in my thirties, I can finally answer those questions. What turns me on? What excites me? And yeah. I want to pursue those things and I'm not going to close the door on things like that. And yeah. I'm, I'm finally going to go for it. Yeah. So it feels good. Limits though. Yeah. I'm not totally into degradation. And I think that's become really refreshing for me. I, th you know, a lot of men will message me saying like, you know, do you want to be daddy's little slut and this and that? And my immediate answer is like, fuck no, you. Yeah, fuck no, you. I don't like yeah. go find somebody else. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's not criticizing at all somebody who would enthusiastically say yes I do right. because different things turn but for you that turns you on, off but for me yeah. I'm just like I want to fight that person yeah, yeah yeah it's a weird it's yeah. it's almost this like um sort of mama tiger yeah. thing that comes over me like ew no yeah. and you know so those kinds of messages I'm just not I'm not into yeah and I recently have really discovered how dominant I can be which is really fun and yeah. very freeing to give myself the permission to be a powerful woman and not to feel ashamed about it yeah. and that that can actually turn people on, you know, very much so. Right. Yeah. And it's not, you know, obviously in day-to-day -day life, if you're this pushy dominant woman, yeah. you're a bitch or you're, a, you know, you're unyielding or you're uptight or this and that, but there are certain sexual spheres where it's exciting and it's yeah. empowering and people are really drawn to that. Yeah. And so I've just started exploring that. I mean, people will message me calling me mommy, oh. which, you know, <laughs> isn't super exciting to me. No, but it's a thing. It turns them it's on. It's a thing. It yeah. turns them on. And it also opened the door in my mind to feeling like, you know, maybe I have more of like a maternal dominance about me. Yeah. I'm, it's a little bit more of like a quiet power instead of, you yeah. know, like a whip and this yeah. and that. Like I, I have a power over people, but it's a little bit more nurturing, a yeah. little more um, quiet. Yeah. And I've worked that into what I do, which is really fun. And I've played with a lot of people that, uh, you know, speaking of you exploring dominatrix yeah. uh, life is um, financial domination, which has been really interesting. Yeah. And also men that wear chastity belts. When you say financial domination, what does that mean? Um, a lot of, not a lot of, but there are some men that almost feel guilty to have the money that they have and they're naturally inclined to be submissive. So do you have their phone numbers? No. Um, yeah. After the, after the episode, I'll, I'll text you. So no, it's really interesting. And wow. it's, it's this sort of underlying feeling that they feel guilty for having this money, but they also wow. really like to be dominated and it's this beautiful combination. So do you tell them what to spend their money on or like, how does, how do you dominate? Them I haven't totally gotten into it yet. Oh. I've only sort of just skimmed the service, but a good friend of mine that also posts on there has been killing it on there. I mean, she will message them and basically say like, I'm bored. Send me money. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll just say like, you know, yes, mistress. <laughs> And send her, you know, whatever oh amount. Or she'll just so... send them a link to like a lingerie set and say, I really want this and you're going to buy this for me. And these are men that have never met her, don't know what she never looks like. Met her. Well, I mean, yeah, they know what like her well, lips yeah, down but, look like. Yeah. But yeah. So Financial domination. Financial domination. Mine is more... And I'm, you know, I went to school for journalism, so obviously I love words. I think they're so delicious and so powerful, yeah. and so I have a way with them if I want to. And um, some men will message me just saying, you know, that they're wearing a chastity belt, that they have been wearing it for days, and they haven't been able to 
pleasure themselves and that, you know, they think I'm the perfect person to finally let them release. And I take advantage of that and I'll message them back and I say, like, you don't deserve to release yet. And I said, you know, I won't have my time wasted unless you pay me. And immediately they just go like, yes, ma'am. And then there's a ping in your phone and it's your PayPal account. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible and it's fun and it's (laughs) playful and honestly, they love it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't think I could also ever do it if I knew that I was really hurting somebody. I was was making them feel bad. It's not hurting anybody. It's, you know, it's just people having fun and exploring themselves. It's playful. Just as much as I would do that for somebody that I'm dating, if I figured out that that's something that really turned them on, just as much as I would want them to place importance on my turn-ons and my desires, of course I'll do that for you. You know, I, I, there's no, there's no place for judgment in the bedroom, in my opinion. I just, and that's when people start hiding things and feeling shame or, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they don't want to show that part of themselves to you and they start feeling disgusted in themselves. I don't ever want anyone to feel that way. And a lot of these people get personal with me too. They'll tell me that, you know, they've tried to play that way with their wives or their partners and they're disgusted with them and they don't want to do that or they haven't had sex with them in over a year. And they're revealing very personal, very dark parts of themselves that they're ashamed of. And so I get a lot of pleasure and joy out of knowing that I've given them a little bit of time in their day to let them know like it's fine and it's also fun. And if you want to explore it, I'm here for you to do that. Yeah. For a fee. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know. Life is short, man. Life is short. So um, I I love getting to know people. So that's been, that's probably been the best part of it is the human aspect of it. Yeah. Is what makes people tick. I mean, I've asked almost everyone that buys socks and underwear from me, what was the origin story for this? What turned you on? Why... And what, that give, for me, you. give me one origin story. There was one guy that said my older sister would have friends over all the time and they would take their shoes and socks off when they got in the door and I would find myself smelling them. Wow. And that they would all have individual scents. And he said, and for whatever reason, it really, there was something very animal about it. And he said, and it's almost like a smell that they didn't want you to smell because people Mm. consider it to be embarrassing. It's not like, you know, you're putting perfume on, it's your socks. And so he felt like it was this very honest moment where he got to like uh, really smell this person. And I, you know, I just said that that makes so much sense. I mean, it's not, wow, it's not my thing, so but I get it. Innocent and sweet. And I could just picture this little boy yeah. just figuring out that he yeah. has, you know, these sexual urges or whatever. It's exactly. really, you know, it's exactly. And now he buys my pedicures. So <laughs> good for him. Good for him. Good for him. Yeah. You're amazing. Oh, I'm so honored you. to know you. Thank you so much for having really, me. Really, <laughs> truly. And so we've come to the time when I'm going to ask you three questions I ask every guest. Okay. And then a little lightning round of questions. Okay. What do you think about when you hear the word love? My family. Mm. If you could live anywhere in the world other than where you're living now, where would you live? Seattle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How do you define serenity? Hmm. Just having room to be myself every day, whatever that means. Mm. I think you found it. I think so. I really do. Okay. Lightning round of questions. Okay. Fireside or Oceanside? Oceanside. Favorite junk food? Twizzlers. Do you like theme parks? Yes. What's your favorite one? Six Flags, oh, bitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like the Six Flags, bitch. I love it. I love that. Love My it. son says biatch. Oh. He's like, come on, biatch. And I'm like, okay. It's kind of cool, it's though. It's so funny. <laughs> Daytime sex or nighttime sex? Oof. Um, nighttime or early morning? Yes. I, I feel that. Which is basically the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Shower or bathtub? Shower. On a scale of one to 10, how good are you at making lasagna? Uh, uh, two. <laughs> What's your biggest pet peeve? Uh, chewing with one's mouth open, audible chewing. Mm. Yeah. No, thank you. Superpower choice, invisibility, ability to fly, or super strength? Hmm. Ability to fly. 
Would you rather have a cat tail or cat ears? Cat tail. What was the name of your first pet? Uh, it was Max. What was the name of the street you grew up on? Amesbury. Oh, so your porn name, sorry, is Max Amesbury. Oh, wow. Not that you need a porn name because you already have a name somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> if you would like it. <laughs> Thank you so much for being uh, on the show. Thanks for You're having amazing. me. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, guys. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with my first anonymous MILF on the show. I know I did. Stay tuned next week or tune in next week. Stay tuned. I mean, just always stay tuned because you never know what I'm going to be up to. But tune in next week for my conversation with Jules Blaine Davis. Jules has actually been on the show before. Jules is a kitchen healer and just a badass and... I just love her so much and her story is incredible and it's deepened. She's been through a lot in the last year since she was on the show. And so we decided like, Hey, let's, let's share this. Um, she's a warrior. So tune in for that and remember to go to the growing candle with the discount code MILF10 for 10% discount. I'll talk to you guys next week. I love you. Keep going. Keep going.